Thank you, Jules, and good morning, church, from me. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen, and I just get to serve with all these great teams, and I also have the regular privilege of bringing you God's Word most weeks here at Riverside, and we've been going through a series called Unstoppable, which is on the unstoppable presence and work of God's Holy Spirit, God's breath, God's power, God's presence among us. And I really hope that what you're starting to see, especially if you've been journeying with us, this is not just another sermon series that we can tick the boxes. Yes, I heard that series. Rather, this is a discipleship opportunity. Meaning we don't just come to listen to sermons. We come to hear God's will, God's heart, God's presence, and we follow. And so this series is an invitation to follow Jesus into the life that he has for us. And the way that we experience the life of Christ is through his Spirit. And now for the most part so far, we've been talking about who the Spirit is, how the Spirit works, some of the ways we can engage God's Spirit, and some of the ways we can receive God's Spirit, which is so important. We have to start with engaging and receiving. But today we're going to change gears. And the reason for that is God's intention was never for us to simply be his minions that kind of bask in his glory like we sang earlier and that it stops there. Yes, it starts there. It starts with us seeing God, seeing his glory, experiencing his presence, knowing how to engage his presence and receive his presence. But for so many of us, we stop there. But rather, God's goal for mankind from page one has been that while he is sovereign, he is creator, we are created, he is the king of kings. His plan has always been that humanity is invited to a special relationship and a special role with God where, yes, we see him, we receive his presence, and then he invites us into participating with him in his work. And apart from creation, if we think of almost every single Bible story we know from the Old and the New Testament, 99% of the time, God's power is expressed through a human that has been invited into the work of God. And so we need to transitioning, transition from seeing and receiving and actually become part of God's ministry and become part of God's mission. And so as we change gears today in the conversation around the Holy Spirit, we're going to be speaking more about spiritual gifts and how God can work through us. Now, for those of you who are in life groups, you're starting to yawn because you've been doing this for five, six weeks already. All right, and so just church, by the way, the life groups have been going quite slowly but intentionally and deeply into the things of the Spirit in a far more conversational and discipleship way, which is one more reason why if you're not in a life group, you need to join so this kind of stuff can really become part of our lifestyle. But if you are in a life group, please don't think to yourself, oh, well, Stephen, we did this a few weeks ago. I'm okay. 
Rather, the life of discipleship is ever growing, ever deepening into the things of God. We are hearing these things time and time again. It's less about hearing a sermon and I've got it, but rather how do I live this out? And so it is always upon us to learn how do I increasingly live the life of God's power and presence and God's spirits. And so that is what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. And so just to get us all on the same page, we're going to ask and answer a number of questions. We're going to look at what, why, and how around spiritual gifts. What, why, and how. So question number one, what are spiritual gifts? Some of you may know something about spiritual gifts. Maybe some of you are looking into the Christian faith, and we're so glad that you're here, but this is brand new to you, or maybe your church background didn't really talk about spiritual gifts. So as we answer the question, what are spiritual gifts, you're going to see that most of our verses that we look at come from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, because those are more of the richer sources of knowledge that we have where God has revealed His ways here. So what are spiritual gifts? Number one, spiritual gifts are spiritual. Spiritual gifts are Spiritual, well, no duh, Stephen, well, there it is in the name. All right, well, there's a reason why they're called spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So here we are preaching on this stuff. We don't want you, Riverside, to be uninformed of these things. The word here, gifts of the Spirit in Greek, is one word which literally just translates as spirituals. Spirituals, meaning The gifts that we're going to be speaking about are spiritually sourced and spiritually given by God's Spirit. God's life, God's presence, God's power. We don't look to the natural world for spiritual gifts. We look to the spiritual source of life for spiritual gifts. Number two, spiritual gifts are spiritual gifts. Gifts of grace. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, a few verses later. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. The word there for gifts is the word charismata, from which some of you may just see the word charismatic, where the charismatic church is trying to exercise all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here's some good news or maybe bad news for some of you, depending on your background, but all the gifts are charismatic gifts. Often we think the charismatic gifts are the gifts of healing and prophecy and tongues, what some might call the phenomenal gifts, but the gifts of helps, the gifts of generosity, the gifts of teaching and leadership and administration are also charismata. So here's news for you. You're all charismatics. Whether you know it or not, you're all charismatics, okay? But in this word charismata is the word Charis. I've heard a few girls, they'll be called charis, which means gifts, gift from God or a grace from God. In English, they sound like different words, Greek, tomato, tomato, same word, charis. So these are not earned, they are gifts, spiritually given to us 
from God. And, and I'm hoping you're seeing what we're doing here. We're looking at all the different words that are used in the Scriptures to describe these gifts. Number three, spiritual gifts are used to serve. Paul writes one verse later, there are different kinds of service. He's just spoken about different kinds of gifts, and he kind of says synonymously, there are also different kinds of service, but the same Lord. The word there is the word diakonion, and I'm butchering it for any Greek speakers here, but in there maybe you can see the word deacon. The word deacon literally means someone who serves. And so this word literally refers to a service or a ministry. In other words, spiritual gifts are not for me, for myself to open and enjoy, but rather to love and to serve others. They have to have a Godward and a personward direction of service. Number four, spiritual gifts are empowered. Paul writes here, the next verse, there are different kinds of working. These words are used synonymously. Gifts, service, working. But in all of them, he is driving this point home. And in everyone, notice these everyone's, it is the same God at work. The word for working is the word energamaton. Maybe in that you can see the word energy. In other words, spiritual gifts are a way that God energizes us. God transfers his energy through us. His power, we are reliant not on my strength, but God's source of life, God's source of energy. And finally, we're looking at the what. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts reveal God. Now to each one, again, just bank this idea of each one. Now to each one, the, here's the next word, manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The word here, phaneros, is often translated as manifestations, and it means to disclose something, something that is not immediately apparent to everybody, but as we use our spiritual gifts, as God's energy energizes us and empowers us as we serve people in this particular way, the idea is that people begin to see the God who is among us. That is the manifestation, the working of God being revealed through us, His church. And I'm hoping that you can see from every single one of these words, we've looked at five of them, this becomes like five different lights that we're shining on this question, what's our spiritual gifts? And it is all about God. It is all about God doing what God does, but involving every single one of you. This is the biggest change between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where the Old Testament was the select few, Moses and the prophets and King David. The New Testament is each one, all of you. And so to try and illustrate this point, and I didn't come up with this by myself, I found this illustration online, I'm going to try and illustrate with this work glove. This is a very simple work glove, the kind of glove that protects your hands while you do carpentry or working around the house. And so the purpose of this glove is to work. And so if I put the glove down and I say to the glove, go work. 
well, nothing seems to be happening. Well, maybe what the glove needs is some discipleship, some training. All right, glove, if you want to work, you need to just bend these fingers and you've got an opposing thumb and, you know, that helps you pick things up, okay? Now that you've been trained, now go work. Hmm, not happening, maybe, because the glove is like us. Maybe the glove needs some encouragement. All right, glove, you can do it. God is with you and you are made for this. You are made to shine in this time. Go, glove, work. Well, okay, nothing's happening. Well, what if we gave the glove some fellowship, some friends? <laughs> and we've got a fishing glove, a cycling glove, and just a glove to keep us warm there. And now that you've got some fellowship and some encouragement, now maybe the glove will work. Well, okay, still not working. Let's try one more thing. Maybe there's a problem with the glove's heart and it's not committed enough. And so the glove needs to be just recommitted to the Lord, maybe baptized. Maybe just stick his hand up in church and be prayed for. And, and now maybe the glove will work. Well, still nothing's happening. And I'm hoping you're seeing where we're going with this. It's just so painfully obvious that the only way this glove is going to work is when a living hand fills every single part of this glove and does the work through the glove. So simple. But what a picture of the Christian life. That in our flesh, we, could, we can do things. We can run around keeping very busy, but we can't do things of eternal value, value. We cannot reveal God. We cannot transform lives. And so what we need as Christians is the hand of God doing His work through us. And the main way God does that is by giving us His own life and His own spirit and energizing us and manifesting Himself through us in the form of spiritual gifts. It's all about the work of God. And so while the scriptures are the best place for us to go for our definitions, here's two definitions that I love. One is a longer, more technical, dense definition. And bring out your phone, maybe take a screenshot of this because it really is powerful, trying to bring it all together. And the second one is two words, very easy to remember. So here's the longer technical definition by a theologian called Sam Storms. He's also a pastor. And he says this, think about all these five words we've spoken about. The Spirit himself is the gift that he gives, that God gives. Or again, spiritual gifts are nothing less than the Holy Spirit himself in us, hand in the glove. Enlightening our minds with revelatory truths, empowering our wills, and imparting, energizing, imparting to us the strength and wisdom to accomplish His gracious purposes, meaning it is God's grace at work, gifts to us in the church. Spiritual gifts must never be thought of as something granted to us by a distant and uninvolved deity. They are instead the Holy Spirit on display in and through human words and works to build up the body of Christ. Isn't that so beautiful? But if that seems a bit dense for you and a bit too much for you, maybe you'll remember this next definition, which I love. It's two words, empowered love. Empowered love. 
the fact that we have a God who is by definition love, who displayed, as we sang about earlier, displayed the fact that He is for us by taking our sin and pain of the world upon Himself and beating life, beating death, beating sin, inviting us into partaking in His resurrected life and so that the world may know that He loves them but he wants to empower the entire process. He wants to do that, but he wants to include you and me in what he is doing as we are on co-mission with God. Empowered love. I'm hoping, here's one more thing that can maybe just help you remember this. I'm hoping you're seeing this is more about God's presence than God's presence. We've got the giver and the gifts. And we need to fall in love with the giver. We need to get to know the giver. We need to allow the presence and the power of God, of the giver in our life. And as God seeks to do His work, then He does give us gifts and presents. But can you see how this just fixes our priorities and our own understanding of how this works? So we've spoken about what are spiritual gifts. Now let's talk about why. Why? Why spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? And I think this is so important that we get the why. You see, we can understand the what. And so easily just fall into the pattern of me just simply being a worker bee, me being like an ant, me working for God, and slowly figuring out that I've been doing this on my own. Rather, when we understand the true why, why do we do this? I believe the why, the purpose of spiritual gifts have the power to keep us fully engaged in ever deepening ways for our entire lifetime. So number one, here's the first why or purpose of the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, spiritual gifts are not for you, but through you for others. Not for you, but through you, hand in glove, for others, so that others may experience the common good of God's grace and working amongst us. Is this like a mind-blowing idea that church is not about you? And while at some level, yes, remember, we start with seeing and receiving. But as I mature, I move on to as I continue to see and receive, in increasing measure, I start to step into God's purpose for my life. And it's no longer about me. It's about Him and others. Number two, we're looking at why. Why spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are for building up the church. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 12, so it is with you. And remember, this is plural. This is not you individual, you church. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. 
Some of you may say, Stephen, are you saying we build up the church? Didn't Jesus say, I will build my church? We just kind of do our thing, and God builds his church. And you're 100% right, but here's the question, how does Jesus build up the church? And 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are crystal clear. That's one of the main ways Jesus builds his church is not apart from you, but by empowering you. You're all, every single one of you, hand in glove. That as God works and energizes his power through you, Jesus is building his church. And so every single one of us, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be in the stage, as we are used by God in the area of our spiritual gifts, the church is built and strengthened and grown. Here's another why around spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts confirm the gospel. We make a huge mistake in some circles where the gospel takes second row to spiritual gifts. Rather, it works the other way around where spiritual gifts confirm the gospel, make the gospel visible. They reveal God. They confirm the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 5 to 7, for in him... You, y'all, have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, what is the therefore? Therefore, to confirm the testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, this is the purpose, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Don't you sometimes feel that when you share the gospel, it can feel so fleshly? In other words, it can feel like it's just you on your own. Now, I'm under the conviction that even when we feel that way, God is always with us. And I know some of us are so afraid to share the gospel because it feels like, what can I do to change someone's heart? And isn't there something sometimes in you, I just wish somehow God would enable this person to see him and to hear him in a way that is just so unmistakably God. So that as I speak about the truth of Christ, God is also doing something to confirm his work. And this verse is telling us that is exactly how God wants some of his spiritual gifts to work. And this can work in so many different ways. While every single one of us are called to share the gospel, and I believe the Spirit is with us every time we do that, some of us are gifted evangelists. Somehow there is more of God's work in our conversations around the gospel. Sometimes it might mean as you're praying for somebody, God gives you a revelatory word, an accurate word, something that bypasses all the arguments for and against the gospel, but immediately pierces the heart, proving that God is here and he loves you and he knows you. Maybe you pray for them and there is a healing. Or maybe simply just over time as you love them and serve them 
with the love and heart of God in a gifted, energized way, slowly the Lord is working on their hearts, softening their hearts, making them receptive to believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there are so many ways that spiritual gifts can serve to confirm the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a few more here. Spiritual gifts are for serving God's grace. Here's another each of you. Each of you, just bank that, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The idea is, once again, it is not you serving up your grace, your good motives, your good heart. The picture here is actually of, of like a waiter. I was a waiter in a Chinese restaurant for four years, and because of that, I've just come to love Chinese food, and not only the stuff on the menu, the stuff that's off the menu, and it just excites me. Ask my family. Um, and they do experience the benefits of that because I've learned to cook Chinese food. But when I was a waiter, I wasn't the chef. Someone would look at the menu and say, I would like this chicken chow mein, this sweet and sour pork. I would take the order to the kitchen. The chef would make the food, and then I would take the food from the kitchen to the person. It's not my food. It came from the kitchen. It is the chef's work of, of, of art. It is the chef's provision, but I serve it up. And so imagine we thought of all of our ministries like that. When we serve here in the worship ministry, it's not me bringing my gifts, but me bringing who God is to us as a church so that we can see how good he is and worship him with everything that we are. Imagine that is how we understood our teaching and our helps and our love and our administration and our generosity. It's simply what God has given me, but it is Him. It is His resources. It is His goodness. And I'm simply the waiter, serving God's grace in its various forms. And finally, spiritual gifts are to bring glory to God. This is the next verse, 1 Peter 4, 11. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now this is tough. In an age of celebrity pastors and celebrity churches and celebrity authors and celebrity worship teams. At their best, I pray with everything in me that they are truly empowered and energized by God and they're living out their Christian faith with character and integrity. And it's not a sin to be well known for how God is using you. But sometimes the fault is with us where we look at the person, not the God where we look at the pastor and we are the ones, despite all their best efforts, we're the ones who put them on the pedestal. Now listen, I've been blessed by so many pastors that I will never meet and I've been, to, been able to read their books and watch their sermons and hear their podcasts. But spiritual gifts are not there for me to go, wow, what a man, what a woman, what a church, what a worship team, but what a God. And when we are the ones serving, oh man, it is so tempting. It is so 
tempting to walk away going, yeah, I did pretty good. (laughs) Hey, God, did you see that? Man, our heart needs to be like John the Baptist's. May I become less as he becomes more. So God gets the glory. So here's a big question for you. And I'm gonna drive this question home. And I wanna ask that you reflect on this question right now. Do you want this stuff? Think about what spiritual gifts are. Think about why we have spiritual gifts. Do you, to maybe look at some spaces where we're not fully convinced, do you just simply want to come to church and, you know, receive? Do you simply want to be entertained? Do you simply want to feel comfortable on a Sunday? You tick your church box and then you go back to life where you're in control of your own life? Or... Is there something burning within you like, I want God to get more glory. I want to see more of God's presence revealed in our church, through our church, in my life, and through my life. I want to be in a position where there is more of the hand in the glove. And where there are more things happening in my life, some that I can explain, some that I can't explain, but at the end of the day, it is God. Do you want the church to be strengthened and built up? Do you want the stuff? As far as I look at it, I don't see a downside. But at a human level, there is a downside. You see, it is so easy for us to slip into a very carnal way of doing church and religion. And if we start here, it's not altogether a bad thing. But if we stay here, it's a horrible thing. Where I arrive at this building called a church. Some of us pay our dues and we expect a certain level of service and a certain quality of preaching and worship and coffee. And if we didn't get that, I feel shortchanged. And then I get grumpy about church. And then maybe next week I don't go because, you know, last week Steve was off and Someone in the team was singing out and well, you know. On the other hand, let's say we are blessed to be in an environment and I think we are where there is anointed preaching and there is anointed community and there is anointed worship and anointed ministry. It's like, oh, you know, my church is so anointed. And what we mean by that is other people. The guys who get to hold this microphone, they're anointed. And the people who host the team and try and, you know, discern God's voice on a Sunday morning, they're anointed. And the wish, you know, they're anointed. And just by being around them, I feel like I'm also just like part of the story. But meanwhile, I'm just a consumer. And so the downside for us is that we have to break from this mindset that church is about God using the anointed people on the stage, but rather Every person, every person, I've already highlighted to you, I've told you to bank, the each one, let each one, to each one. Here's another verse that helps us realize what God's heart is here. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, 
but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. One of the things we're trusting God for in this season is just a spiritual unity that is truly supernatural. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so the inverted commas is, the downside is, every single one of us are being invited to step into the space of the hand of God moving into the glove of our lives so that God does the kind of stuff we've been looking at today. Listen, some of you come from churches where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but, but Pastor so-and-so, let's make, you know, Pastor Fred, I'm just making that name up. Apologies to any Pastor Freds out there. Pastor, you know, he's amazing. He used to preach every Sunday. Different sermon on Sunday evening. He used to lead a Bible study on Wednesday night. He used to visit everybody who was sick. And if anybody even looked like they had a sniff, he used to go and pray for them. I heard one church, they were looking to hire a pastor, and they said to the deacon team, in other words, part of the leadership, part of hopefully the more mature, and they said, listen, what do you expect this pastor to do, as we call him? And they heard everybody's responses, and they actually tried to assign, well, how much time a week do we expect him to do? Prayer, ministry, sermon preparation, visitation. Now, the average work week for the average person here is what? 40 hours a week? They came up with 200 and something hours a week. The point is, man, Pastor Fred, bless his heart. He's probably going to enter his grave very tired and very unhappy. The church was never designed to be that. And yes, while there is one of me that performs the work of one part of the body, and I have a unique responsibility in leadership and even in visibility, I am only fulfilling the task of one person, or at least I'm meant to on the understanding that each one is a part of the body. To each one, a gift is given. And big and small, as we step into that place and become the kind of person that God can use, God starts to increasingly do the kinds of stuff that we are so desperate for God to do among us. So we've looked at what? We've looked at why Let's start asking and answering the question, how? And we're only going to start answering that question today. But to help answer how, how do I step into this, God? Here's where I want to leave things today and spend some time just, just, just meditating on this verse. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirits. Now what is very interesting is I've been quoting a number of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. These are some of the richest teachings around the gifts of the spirit. 12 and 14. I wonder what chapter 13 is about. Love. Some of you had it 
read at your wedding, love is patience, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs, love always hopes, love always perseveres, love never fails. And so, oh, that's Stephen, that sounds so beautiful, you know, and I wish my marriage was like that. And while that kind of love, I pray for every single one of you, grows in your marriage, it is not about marriage it is about how God begins to move into a church and starts to move through people. And Paul is saying, listen, this is incredibly important. I want to bring order to this. And I want to see more and more of you stepping into this place. I want to see more and more of you energized by God. So more of God is revealed through the work of the church. But don't forget love. So follow the way of love, which is why I love that definition of spiritual gifts, empowered love. We want to desire to love God more and love people more in an empowered way and have all spiritual resources available to me to love God and others better. But then number two, eagerly desire the gifts of the spirits. And here's where I know some of us may come from certain backgrounds where we've seen things done in the name of the spirits and it kind of makes us get onto the back foot. Maybe we hear about certain spiritual gifts with the spirits uh, uh, and the scriptures unashamedly speak about in positive terms like the gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing and the gifts of tongues. Some of us have watched wood videos trying to convince us how some of these gifts are demonically inspired. Some of us are just simply afraid of the unknown, which is why we started looking at, but what is a spiritual gift according to God? Why? What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Stephen, you know that. I want that stuff. But then something needs to shift in us. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. This is something you can choose. This is inviting us out of reverse, where we're negative, Maybe inviting some of us out of neutral where we're just trying to stick a hand in the sand and, and deal with the stuff that I'm more comfortable with and into gear one. Where because I want what God wants for his church and for his world, I want to be part of that. And so it starts here. Do I eagerly desire spiritual gifts? And so here's a question for you. Do I eagerly desire to be the kind of person through whom God's love and power moves? And so I would just want to move to a moment where we kind of step out of information into transformation, out of just, okay, Stephen's teaching into, let me actually respond to what God is doing among us. So for some of you, that may mean just getting into a mindset of prayer as we now begin to engage God in a more intentional way. You see, there's two sides to this. There's our side, which is to eagerly desire. We've already seen that it is God's grace. God is the sovereign one who gives. 
God is the one who apportions gifts to His church. That's the sovereign side. And it's not one or the other. It's somehow both and. And, and the mystery is, I think it was Gary Player who said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. The mystery is that the more we eagerly desire, the more God sovereignly gives. Doesn't make you sovereign, but it means we're stepping into His will for us as a church. Back to that question, do I, do you eagerly desire to be the kind of person through whom God's love and power moves. And I'm gonna ask some of us to step out of neutral gear and reverse gear into first gear and take a bit of a risk this morning by standing. If that is you, if you're saying, yes, yes, I want that. I want God's grace to be manifested through me to others. I want God to get more glory. I want empowered evangelism. I want empowered service. I want to be part of God's mission and God's story. I want to invite you to stand. To stand this morning. And even if you're still afraid, maybe it is a real act of faith to stand. God, I don't know about this yet. But you know what? I'm going to trust you. The scriptures say very clearly, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. My parents, you know this. We want to bless our children. How much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's our good Father. Whatever comes from His hand is going to be good. And so Father, we come before You. We bring our hearts. This is the starting point of our response. Some of us are repenting of being negative, being against spiritual gifts. And maybe it is because around fears. And now there's just a good space for you to say, God, I, I have been afraid of spiritual gifts. I have experienced hurt or I have seen confusing things that I don't know if it's from you or not. But if what we've spoken about today is from you, I want that. Maybe some of us, what we're going to be repenting of is being in neutral gear. Your Lord, I, I just, I, I want you and, and I want to come to church and I want to experience blessing and I want to just, you know, come away fed and then I just go away. And what I've realized is I've been a consumer for way too long. And so I choose this morning to eagerly desire stepping out from being a consumer and to eagerly desire being used by you in this empowered way. And so Holy Spirit, even as we've seen, when we submit our hearts to you, and yes, as we choose, somehow we see at work in us is your work strengthening our wills, cleansing our motives. And so Father, we as a church are standing here before you saying we eagerly desire to be 
the kind of people, the kind of church that your hand of life can move into with power and do your work through us. We are in an age where we cannot continue playing church. We cannot simply continue doing the external formalities of church. Rather, we are so desperate for the reality of God in a dying and broken world. And that doesn't just mean anoint the pastor, it means anoint me. And so I begin this morning, God, by eagerly desiring the giver of gifts, knowing that the more of you that is made real in my life, as I submit to that, you also give gifts as you work. And so, Father, that is our step of faith this morning. That is our act of obedience this morning to bring our hearts before you and eagerly desire. Now, God, I ask in prayer that you do what you do because you are the sovereign giver of gifts. You are the good gift giver. You are the good father who gives good gifts to his children, those whom he loves. And so, God, I know we're still on a journey and we've got so much to learn, but I ask that even now, sovereignly, God, would your Spirit be pouring out gifts among us. Some of us may sense that you're doing something new within us. Some of us may be going throughout the week and realize, oh, wow, God is working in me in a new way. And that's an answer to prayer. For some of us, it may be more like a seed that just over days and weeks and maybe even months just slowly grows. And increasingly, we see more of God in and through our lives. Don't judge everything by what you feel and experience this morning. Although sometimes when God moves, it is deeply emotional. But God, would you sovereignly give gifts? Your word says to each one. And as far as I can see, that pretty much represents all those who are standing here this morning. And you have a purpose for each one standing here that goes beyond simply consuming. Yes, Lord, we want to receive. We want to see you. But we want to step into this. So Holy Spirit, give. Empower, reveal. This is an act of trust for every one of us. But it's so exciting, isn't it? How is God going to fulfill His promises to us and among us? Let's just remain in this space as we are still and so that we can be still and know that God is God among us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the work that we can see and feel and the work that we cannot see and feel, but one thing we know is that you are at work here right now. Thank you as hearts and lives are being brought into the reason why they were created by you. Thank you that no one is excluded from being used by you in powerful ways. Thank you that what even seems very natural to us 
can become so deeply and powerfully supernatural. I can love people with your love. I can help people with your service and your grace. I can serve people, your presence, your glory, your grace. No one is excluded. Thank you, God, that each person here is on a journey and you meet us there. You're not expecting anyone to be anybody else. You're not expecting anyone to pretend to be more mature or less mature than they are, to overcome things that I have not yet overcome. You meet them right there and then with your grace and your provision. But thank you, Lord, that we are now a moving, mobilized people. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. God, if you would, and I'm going to step out in faith. If you would, would you, whether it's in this moment or just in the coming days, somehow in a beautiful personal way, give us a clear sense of what it is you're birthing in our hearts. Maybe it's confirming something that's already been there and maybe it's become a bit dormant, but, but you're just breathing new life into that space. Or maybe it's something brand new, something that I've never even thought about. But God, draw our attention to the empowering work of your Spirit in our lives. But you are our friend, you are our God, you are our King, and you engage with every single person, not just here on a Sunday. Maybe even be so good this morning as to give some of us a, a word of knowledge, a spiritual insight, a picture or, or a word or a phrase. Here is you, the glove, and now let me in so that I can do my work through you in this way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we're on a journey and that today is just one step amongst so many. And so we're going to faithfully follow you, God, as you are so faithful to us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.